Blog Talk Radio. It comes, but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bomb pave the way, predicting the name Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. Seven rounds of fun. Whether it's this or irrelevant or number one. It's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Josh Buchanan, a scout for the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, and in my opinion, the preeminent small school guru. Uh, Josh recently debuted his 2016 NFL draft rankings exclusively at draftcountdown.com, so we have plenty to discuss. Uh, Josh, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. All right, let's let's kind of start with more of a macro view of this small school class. Uh, you know, we talked about the average is about 25 non-FBS prospects drafted a year. Last year, it was low. It was down to 20, and, and you, you kind of saw that come in, and you have some reasons for that, but we'll get into why the class has maybe been down a little bit, but, but just start off, give us a little perspective. Where does this small school class rank in the grammar scheme of things, especially compared to last year? Uh, is it average, below average, above average? Uh, I'm thinking a little bit better up top. Uh, in the first three rounds, maybe you'll see one more or two more taken and definitely going to see a couple of players go higher than anyone went last year. But around the same, when you get in the mid to late rounds, most likely going to be, you know, uh, I mean, as of right now, I would say only about 15 or 16 guys are solidly in, in the draft. So uh, there'll be some guys play their way in. But, yeah, about the same as last year outside of the top. And you have a pretty interesting theory on, on why the maybe talent level and, and at least the numbers are down a little bit in recent years. Yeah, I said about three or four years ago, if you go back and listen, I'm pretty sure I said it on here, uh, with all the teams moving up, it's just taking away uh, more opportunities. You, you had, um, you know, UMass has gone up, Georgia State started football and moved up, Old Dominion, same thing, App State, Georgia Southern moving up. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of good ones. Uh, a lot of them, if you notice, are East Coast and on the Southeast. Uh, uh, Coastal Carolina has now moved up, and 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 all those teams I just named, what do they have in common? They've all had draft picks in the last five, six, seven years. So um, I I think you know you're losing 85 times, however many there's going to be more to move up. I mean, I say Coastal's in the middle of moving up now. And so I, I just think, uh, you know, over time you're going to see less players. I think you're going to see the G5 level grow um, over these next few years in terms of how many players they have drafted more than anything. Well, and not only uh, is the lower levels losing teams, which would be a, a hit in and of itself, but they're losing their best teams, where, ergo their most yeah. talented team. Yeah. So th- well, that definitely that have, plays Like I said, teams have draft picks every year. Every year all those teams I just named, they – Every one of those teams that have been in F. Marshall, uh, that was several years ago, but you go name them and have Georgia Southern, all of them, they've had draft picks. In fact, they've all had players in major all-star games in the last five years. So that just goes to show you there, you know, that, you know, the opportunity, losing opportunity. I could name uh, three or four players alone right now that, uh, you know, uh, uh, their teams were FCS when they came there. They're going to probably get drafted this year. They're FBS now. Um, 
and they would have added this small school group. There would have been another maybe four, five, three, four, five guys that would be projected in the draft that are not right now. Well, let's get into some of the specifics of this class. And and we're going to have plenty of time to dig really deep into all of these players, and we're going to have you back. But just kind of a – we're going to take kind of a broad overview this time around. But let's start with, I think, probably the consensus top two uh, in Carson Wentz, the quarterback from North Dakota State, and Noah Spence, the defensive end slash outside linebacker from Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, Josh, let's start with Wentz because – being the small school guru, he's probably been on your radar longer than, than most of us. Uh, I think he, the Senior Bowl week was kind of a coming out party for Wentz from a lot of people, but you've been watching him for a couple years. Talk a little bit about his situation and his development at North, North Dakota State, specifically why he was only a two-year starter. Yeah, and his is interesting because he actually showed up in North Dakota State and was a player that they expected a lot out of. Um, he saw some reps in 2012, actually, believe it or not. He redshirted his first year because they didn't need him. Played a little bit in 2012. Actually completed 75% of his passes as a backup coming in. The next year as a backup again, um, same thing, complete, complete 73% of his passes. Um, you can see the ability there. He played He played a good bit uh, because they were beating people so badly and Part of the reason he was just a backup was because they were national champions all of those years and had a quarterback who was established, and it's hard to, to just, you know, hey, let's bench this guy. Um, at the end of 2013, well, late in the 2013 season, I had people around North Dakota State telling me, hey, Josh, we got a guy who's better than the guy now. Um, you need to look at him when he played sparingly. Look at his spring tape this spring. We'll let you watch our spring ball watch him and I'm like wow you do you have a better guy um so he shows up pretty good year in 2014 stays healthy um and then this past year uh early on uh gets hurt misses time uh had a sprained ankle early in the year then he suffered a broken hand so you know he's a guy that didn't get to play uh early because of a an, an incumbent so to speak who wasn't all Missouri Valley quarterback and then um, you know, really he's only played one full year as the starter um, at North Dakota State, so, um, and really half a year this year. So um, his is going to be an interesting story just because of all these quarterbacks. When you're doing the metrics, he's probably had the few, he probably has the fewest starts of anyone in the, in the uh, draft, or at least among draftable quarterbacks outside of, yeah, I mean, maybe Coker is the only one he has more starts than. Well, and – with Wentz, let's talk a little bit about what type of grade you have on him and even going further than what grade you have on him. Are you surprised by how much hype and buzz he has right now? I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Carson Wentz might be the star of the 2016 NFL draft class right now, which we don't often say for our prospects from North Dakota State. So talk a little bit about his grade in your eyes and the, the kind of buzz surrounding him right now. Yeah, um He's a great talent. You know, I have a feeling that I would be completely on board with this. I'd probably have him in the top five prospects if he had stayed healthy and had been a four-year starter because the ability is there. There's no question about that. And I think because he's had some uh, other circumstances he couldn't necessarily control, I – I, you know, I believe the upside is there. I, however, I would not take him in the top ten. I think that that it's a little unfair to him. I think he can be the guy 
But ideally, I'd want to get him in the second round or maybe the late first because I'd like for him to sit behind somebody for a year or two and then make him the guy. I, I just I feel bad for him because people, you know, a guy that hasn't had. But um, I think if you want to technically get into it, he's had 24 starts, and the only reason he's had 24 starts is because they've been in the playoffs so much. If he was on a non-playoff team, he you know wouldn't even have that. Um, I just feel like he's a guy that, you know, could use a little bit of time, give him a year or so, and then I think he could be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I just I feel bad when I see him go in the top five, especially to a team like, you know, the Cleveland Browns or, or not just them, but a team, or any of these teams up top that have not really, I guess, developed quarterbacks so well. So I'm just hesitant because we all know it depends on where you go, and I would just hate to see him taking – you know, have have a team reach on him who doesn't do very well at developing quarterbacks and perhaps ruin a player who is a really good player that I would love to have. Well, you've been doing this long enough now. You remember Joe Flacco when he was coming out at Delaware. A little bit different of a situation in that Flacco originally started out at Pittsburgh before transferring down a level. But and, and there's still a little bit more time in this pre-draft process. But where would you put Wentz in comparison to where Flacco was as a prospect coming out? He's got more upside. One thing, you know, I gave Flacco uh, a late two, early three round grade in terms of where he was at that time. I saw him as a good starter, and that's what's interesting because I try to grade on our scale. We go, are you Pro Bowler? You know, an outstanding player, uh, and all. You know, well, are you number? You know, franchise player, Pro Bowler, then very good starter average starter, so on. So I saw him as a very good starter, which translates to like a 2-3 grade. Well, he's a guy who, you know, ended up going to the late first because, you know, people reach on quarterbacks. So I get that. Um, they reach a little bit, but he's been a solid player in the pros. And I really, you know, he struggled a little bit early in his career with throwing picks, but uh, he was a guy that didn't have much mobility. He, he really got rattled by App State in the national championship game. Uh, you know, before he went to the NFL. He was a guy that you could see had the ability but really probably needed one more year at Delaware to really put up the big-time numbers that, you know, you would want to see. I I think Carson Wentz, same thing, one more year, and I think next year he could – if he stays healthy, he could have the, you know, 4,500 yards passing and, you know, put up the record-breaking numbers. Um, So I kind of see them in that, that that both of them didn't spend very much time at the program they're, they're coming out of. They're both going to be overdrafted, but I think Wentz has got more upside than Flacco. As good as Flacco's been, if Wentz goes to the right team, that's why I say if, because some teams may ruin him with the way they develop players. And if he goes to the right team, Wentz has more mobility than Flacco. He he knows when to put touch on the ball. He's uh, Flacco's got good intangibles, but Wentz has great intangibles. I just think the upside is there that you know he could be a guy that. You know, at 230-plus pounds, he's probably going to run, you know, a 4.7 or so in the 40. I mean, just a big, strong guy that I think has more athletic upside uh, than Flacco. But, um, I, you know, ultimately I think he's going to go higher than Flacco. And um, like I say, I just but for me it just depends on what team he goes to. Luckily, Flacco went to a really good franchise, and I think that's helped Flacco. If Flacco had done this meteoric rise into the top five, Look at the teams picking that year. I'm not sure he would have panned out like he has. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen to Wentz because I'd hate to see a player who really is better than Flacco uh, uh, go into a bad situation. All right, let's move on and talk about Noah Spence from Eastern Kentucky. And, and Josh, when it was first announced that 
defense was transferring down to a lower level of competition, I remember you and I talking, and I said, buckle up for this guy. You're going to enjoy it because uh, he is a big-time talent. Uh, and for those who aren't familiar with his situation, he was an elite recruit coming out of high school and looked like a future top-10 overall pick uh, early on at Ohio State before some substance abuse issues uh, led to him being uh, dismissed and, and him leaving. But uh, a big-time talent, Josh. Did exactly what you want a guy like that to do this past season against a lower level of competition at Eastern Kentucky. He was absolutely dominant. Uh, had a very good week against the Senior Bowl. And uh, I don't think there's any question that Noah Spence is a first-round talent. Uh, in fact, I would go so far as to say he, if not for the character concerns, he'd be a surefire top half of the first-round talent on my board. Uh, but the off-the-field issues kind of throw a curveball into the mix, and uh, I know you think that might lead to him dropping a little further on draft day than maybe I do and some do, but at the same time, he has just such a, he's so talented, he does something that's so valuable, i.e. rush the passer, passer. Anybody who watched the Super Bowl and what Von Miller did knows the type of impact uh, a dynamic uh, edge pass rusher can have on the game. And I just think there's kind of a dearth of pass rushers in this class, uh, especially near the top. And I think he's going to get pushed up and go. I'd, I'd lean more top 20. And I think in the past we've spoken, and then you've le- you even questioned whether he will indeed be a first-round pick when all is said and done. So uh, I, I guess I'm just interested. What are your thoughts on Spence? And uh, are, do you kind of maintain still that you think he might fall all the first round, or do you think he's in round one now? Where are you at on Spence? Um. The talent is there. First of all, when you watch him during the fall, I even said if he didn't have the issues, I thought he'd probably be a first or no worse than an early second. The problem is, you know, here are the things that to take into consideration. He's a very gifted player. He's quick off the edge. He's fast. He can do a lot of different things. He's got a great first step, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. However, uh, multiple failed drug tests, public intoxication, disorder, disorderly conduct, a guy that takes plays off, Coming into a league that yes, he's not hit a woman. He hasn't done anything like that. However, when he, yeah, the guy whose motor can be inconsistent, when you look at his stats, that's what's crazy here. I mean, we know he's a first-round talent because heck, look at his numbers. Look what he did on the field, and he wasn't even going hard all the time. I mean, this is a guy who was clearly five, six, seven, eight steps better than anyone he was playing against, and. Um, I, you know, when you have those issues, I want to see what he does at the combine number. Three things that I want to see, and, and one of them we're only going to know up front. How does he test? Number two, how does he interview? Number three, does he fail a drug test? I think if he fails a drug test at the combine, I don't think he goes in the first round. I think he may fall to like the third or the late second because, you know, that would show he's got a clear problem. However, if he goes there, he's clean. Um, you know, you know, I think he, he very well could go in the bottom half of the first. I, I just, you know, it's a shame because he's a top 15 talent, like you said. He's just, you know, how do you justify taking a guy that high who has, you know, a clear pattern of issues, not, you know, one thing. But he's had a lot of trouble. Um, but he has stayed clean this fall at Eastern Kentucky. So that, you know, like I said, if he stays clean at the Combine and, no, you know, no trouble between now and the draft. I would be surprised if he got out of the top 50 or even the top 35. But um, you know, he still got to do that before I can think he can cement him. You know, to really go, you know, first or second or wherever. 
Well, and it truly is one of those cases, and I feel like I'm about to spout a bunch of cliches here, but, but teams and the decision makers are going to want to look him in the eye, and it only takes one team to fall in love with him. And uh, if, if you're picking somewhere in the middle of the first round and you're looking for a pass rusher, he's going to look awfully enticing in comparison to the other options that are available in that range. And you, know, you said, it's, I mean, look at Greg Hardy. Look at all the, all the things people have been willing to overlook with him. I just think when you can rush the passer like Spence can, um, I, I just think it's, he's going to come off the board earlier than later. And, and, uh, but but the, the pre-draft process is going to be big for him. Uh, he's got to not on the field, because I don't think he's going to test like some absolute freak. He's going to be more than adequate across the board, above average. Yeah, he'll be but it's good, not like not once every yeah. 20 years. Right. He's not a ridiculous, but very, very talented. Now let's move on a little bit. And this is where I think it gets interesting, because I'm sure everybody has Wentz and Spence. Uh, that, that should be like a, a, a sitcom or a a cop duo show, but yeah. then who is number three? And this is the, this is the area that I study. I struggled with too, Josh. And uh, we kind of were looking at the same group of players in the mix for that three spot. Uh, and you, the order you went with, with, with was miles Killebrew safety out of Southern Utah, Deandre Houston, Carson safety out of William and Mary Deandre hall, cornerback slash safety out of Northern Iowa and Harlan Miller, the cornerback out of Southeastern Louisiana. So that's kind of the next group, but I think, uh, you'd probably agree that they're all still kind of jockeying for position. And, of course, with uh, all those defensive backs, workouts tend to play a pretty big role in their final grade and evaluation. But talk a little bit about the discussion, uh, at least the, the discussion that went on in your mind the, when you were trying to, to, to determine a ranking, at least at this point in time, and, and what gave Killebrew the edge. Yeah, no, the only reason I went with Killebrew was for his position. You know, he's a guy that um, – uh, number one, Miller was coming off the injury. You know, I, I'll go through the guys real quick. Why Harlan Miller coming off the injury had a big year this year. Don't have a you know don't have a verified forty on him, which you know sadly that's important in terms of where they go in the draft. Um, so with him, I'm looking and saying he's not as tall or as long as you know Killebrew, DeAndre Houston Carson, or DeAndre Hall. So that's why I went with him for because um, I want to go backwards. Anyway. So I went with DeAndre Hall, then uh, uh, right ahead of Miller. Because Hall, um, my thoughts in my head, taller, longer than, than Miller. Um, not as good of a corner, but he's got the special teams and the ability to play safety or corner. Same thing with DeAndre Houston Carson. Um, I love Houston Carson. I actually think he's probably the third best player of the whole group. I mean, Houston Carson's a heck of a player. But the difference, though, why I went Killebrew ahead of him right now, which could easily flip. I, swear, I probably could have put 3A and 3B. Um, uh, I like Carson's special teams ability more, but Killebrew just, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds, going to probably run a sub 4'4 four, four and a 40. He can come hit you. He's got great range. He's rocked up. He looks the part. I just, you know, a guy like that, I went with him at three, um, a little more experienced than the other guys at his position that he played as a senior, um, and, and a guy who, uh, you know, people talked about, well, the big sky doesn't have defense. Southern Utah wasn't very good in 2014, and and Southern Utah had a real good year in 2015, and he was a huge part of that. He was one of three players on that defense that you could credit heavily for that. And, you know, I just – I think he's been an unsung guy. Just, you know, NFL teams, too, I know they love him. I mean, he's in that third, fourth round with the, with, with the clubs. Um, so, like I say, him and Houston Carson, to me, are the, are the top two just in terms of the upside. I think they could go the highest. And then I put Hall and Miller right there next. But I think all four are right there near each other, depending on how the combine goes. Any one of them, you know, could potentially be that third guy. 
Well, one of my favorite things about the All-Star Games is that it gives us an opportunity to see these small school prospects on a bit of a bigger stage against a higher level of competition. So I just want to go through each of the, the three major uh, postseason All-Star Games and, and talk about the winners coming out of them. And we'll start the Senior Bowl. And, and I asked you for somebody other than Carson Wentz and Noah Spence just for the sake of diversity and to talk about some different players. And uh, in this instance, even the number three is a player we already talked about a little bit in Miles Killebrew. So I'm just going to ask you a little follow-up on Miles Killebrew. Uh, he's so big, Josh. Is he? A, is he? Is this a Shaq Thompson situation, in your opinion, where he's going to end up being an outside linebacker in the NFL, or is he just a big safety like Cam Chancellor? Because he is such intriguing size for that position, but at the same time, you don't see many guys with that type of of, of bulk and length staying at safety in the NFL. They're few and far between. So where did, did the senior bowl performance on Kilbrew give you any more of an inclination toward where you see him ending up, ending up at the next level? I thought maybe if he showed up at like 225, 230, that he would be an outside backer. I was ready to move him there. I think just because he's still under the two, he's at 219, um, going to keep him at safety. But it'll be interesting to see what he does weight-wise because if he gains more weight, he's clearly trying to go towards linebacker. Um, because even, even at six foot two, he could be two ten and be fine, or two fifteen. So, um, no, nah, but the combine will because uh, you know we'll see weight, and then when he gets into the position drills and all that, I think you know you can kind of get a, a, a. But he is a little bit tight. I will say that. So it will, you know, not real tight, but a little bit. It'd be interesting to see if he wants to move the linebacker. I don't know if anyone's even asked him that. Um, but, you know, no, I've got him at safety now. But, I, you know, like I say, if the weight, depending on what happens there, I could see him, you know, maybe moving to outside linebacker. Uh, and then coming out of the East-West Shrine game, uh, there was a small school prospect there who really had, blew it up and, and had one of the best weeks of any player, small school or big school. Yeah, and Javon Hargrave, South Carolina State. I, you know, you love him just when you watch him. Mean, well, I've been watching him for three years. I mean, he is that good of a player. Um, you try to focus on seniors, but, you know, his sophomore year, you know, he jumps out at you when you're watching the MEAC. So um, I went with him. You know, he measured a 6'1 315, probably going to run a 4'9 or a 4'8 and a 40. His 10 yard will be really impressive, I believe. Um, so. Uh, just, you know, he's an explosive, strong guy that can push the pocket uh, and plays with a high motor, too. So he's a fun guy to watch, and he showed it there. Well, and another guy who was dominant against the lower level of competition, the last two years alone, Javon Hargrave yeah. had 46 tackles for a loss and 29 and a half sacks, which is just kind of eye-popping production for an interior offensive lineman or defensive mm -hmm. lineman regardless of the level of competition. It is, yeah, it is, yeah, it is, and and, and him, and then I, I meant to mention as well, Bigger Ochi from Stony Brook. Both, he had a really good game too. Um, I think both of those guys, good careers, standouts for three years at their programs, are, are two guys that um, I'd like to throw both of them out there. That they're, I think Hargrave goes higher, but they're two guys that you know uh, that I think you could easily see a a big time, uh, big time. Uh, uh, career in the pros. I mean, well, at least Hargrave. I think Hargrave's going to be a better pro. Ochi is a little bit of a tweener at 6'1", 244, but um, I, you know, if Ochi can stand up and play linebacker, he could be interesting. And he showed in the shrine. He's got the speed to maybe do it. So, um, but yeah, to me, Hargrave, keep an eye on him. Uh, he's one of two players at South Carolina State that might surprise on draft day. And then your, your winner from the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl was 
South Carolina State tight end Tameric Hemingway. And I found that one kind of interesting because this tight end crop is so bad. I think teams are going to be scrambling for options with a degree of upside, and, and maybe Hemingway is going to offer that on day three for someone. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Hemingway is going to be interesting because he's probably going to time in the four fives or sub four sixes in the 40. Very athletic. He needs to gain a little weight. The hands are, you know, at times he needs to be a little more uh, consistent with his hands. But, you know, when you're six four and five, and he's 245 pounds, he's got the room to maybe add another 15, 20 pounds. Um, athletic guy, catch the ball, can block, really improved as a blocker while he was out there. He's a guy that, you know, keep an eye on him. He's probably a sixth, seventh round talent, but, you know, he may, depending on his combine, he may push himself into the fourth or fifth round. He, he was definitely a guy that, um, uh, you know, opened some eyes out in L.A. All right, let's close up with some some quick, hit, quick hits type of uh, topics. And uh, I always like to do overrated and underrated players, guys who you think are getting maybe too much buzz or not enough. So, uh, let's start with overrated. Who's the small school prospect who you think is getting maybe a little overhyped right now? And, and a year ago at this time, you were telling us all about Zach Hodges, the pass rusher from Harvard. Uh, people had him as among the top small school prospects in the class. And you said well before anyone that this guy, there's some issues. He's going to go undrafted. He's not that good of a player. And sure enough, you were right. So who's the overrated prospect in this draft that people are talking about going early that's going to probably not go that high on draft day? I will say, let me preface this, there is not one to that extent here to where there's so much going against. And so it's a little bit tougher. But if I have to go with it, I'll say Paul McRoberts of Southeast Missouri State. You can really tell who the people are who do their homework and know the players because this was a guy who nobody had rated. Then you see so many people push him up the board, push him up the board. As soon as he got his senior bowl invite, I remind people, less than half of the small schoolers in Mobile last year got drafted. Now, this year was different. I do think that stat will will not hold up this year. I think it's better. But it goes to show that just because you're in the senior bowl doesn't mean you're a draftable player. Several of them don't get drafted and don't make it. Um, I'll go with him. He's not extremely fast. He's a good player. I think he'd be a really good, like, seventh round or party free agent. But I've seen some people putting him in the third and fourth because of the senior bowl invite. Um, I I just think that's a little bit high. And the one thing I noticed with him at the senior bowl, too, is just uh, not an extreme lack of burst, but not very explosive. I thought he was kind of a a clearly a level down from the top guys. So, uh, I, I'm a little uh, – I have some question marks about McRoberts as well. I'm not quite as high on him as some either. Uh, now, underrated, and this is a player that we talked about during the season. You turned me on to him. Uh, I'll let you kind of introduce him and talk to, talk about him, though. Yeah, yeah, Mike Tavares, the linebacker from Carnet Word. I'll admit, when we extended him the invitation, the question was, well, maybe we'll put him at safety because he was only like 208, 209 pounds. Um, but, you know, he's a guy, he's an Arkansas transfer, went there, blew it up this year. I mean, put up video game-like numbers. He was the newcomer of the year in the Southland. Um, he's a guy that we were concerned if he was a safety or a linebacker. He shows up at the NFL PA Bowl, weighs 230 pounds. They have him back there returning punts. I mean, we were sitting back there, who is that big guy? Get him out of there returning punts. We thought it was a joke, seriously. I mean, me and – and my boss, Tony Softly, were sitting there. He thought it was a joke. He was, you know, wanting to fuss at somebody, and look, and, and he sees him catching it, and he catches it like he's been a punt returner his whole life. So, freak athlete who can rush the passer, showed he can drop back. 
clearly gained the weight. He's at 230 now. So look for him. If he doesn't get drafted, he'll be like my Corey Washington a few years ago and, and, and Nick Easton from Harvard. He'll make a roster. You won't be able to keep him off a roster. Um, he's got a lot of ability and a ton of upside. Well, and and the, when when you mentioned him to me during the season, I made sure I made a point to go out and watch it. I think I watched three games, and the way he was used, because like you said, he put up crazy numbers the uh, this past season. There's no no doubt about him from the production standpoint. But when you watch him, very much played uh, a kind of a, a pass rush role. He was always playing forward, rushing off the edge, a hundred miles an hour. Very, very few opportunities to see him kind of drop back and work in reverse. Now, he still racked up 110 tackles, 22.5 tackles for a loss, 8.5 sacks. But the question mark I had, too, was what's he going to do when he has to work in space and drop back? But it's encouraging that he looked good in, in that aspect at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl practices. And last question I have for you, Josh, uh, who's going to be the late riser in this class? Who's going to be that workout warrior who tests off the charts and winds up being drafted late, even though nobody's talking about him right now? Okay, let me let me say this. I don't want to sound like a homer here in the, because he, this one's from the NFL PA Bowl, but he's from the NFL PA Bowl because we found him late in the fall, and he was very impressive. He's a freak athlete. The reason we took him is because we think he's going to do this. Is McKinton Dorlean from Northern Iowa. He should have been an All-American and first-team All-Missouri corner. He got snubbed. He was still second-team. He's an all-conference return man, um, averaged 14 yards on punt return, 17 pass breakups this year, had an interception, got overshadowed by DeAndre Hall, but he's 5'10 and a half, 182 pounds. He's going to probably run a 4'3", jump 40 inches in the vertical. Um, expect him, whether he's at the combine or his pro day, to light it up. I think he... If he doesn't get himself drafted in the fifth or seventh round, he'll be a priority free agent who makes a roster, but he should get drafted. I actually believe he will, and I will move him up. I was going to wait till after he had a workout to, to do it. I didn't want to jump the gun, but he's the one that I'm expecting to move from priority free agent to sixth, seventh round at least, uh, just based off workouts. And like I say, he, he's a good defensive back and special teams player. Well, uh, Josh, fantastic insight as always. Uh, appreciate your time, and, and we're going to have you back uh, multiple times in the coming weeks and months here to continue discussing these small school prospects. And, and your rankings are going to be constantly evolving throughout this process as more information comes in via the combine, workouts, etc. But I encourage everybody to head over to draftcountdown.com and check out Josh's debut rankings for the 2016 NFL Draft. The top 100 is up, and we just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg in this discussion. Uh, so, Josh, thanks so much, and I want to remind everybody that they can follow you on Twitter, at Josh NFL Draft. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Scott. Have a good one. I appreciate it. All right. And with that, I'm going to call it a show. I want to thank everybody so much for listening, and please remind you to, descri- to subscribe to Draft Countdown to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. And as always, there are 78 days, 23 hours, 28 minutes, and 55 seconds left until the 2016 NFL Draft. Tick-tock. Tick-tock.